when Sandra was graduating from Arizona State University, she had no idea what she was going to do and decided on a whim to move to New York and figure it out when she got there. Once she moved, she fell into the music industry where she was mentored by female executives who believed in her, shaped her life, and taught her what she needed to know to eventually become the senior vice president of promotion at Epic Records. Today I talk with Sandra about transitioning into music, finding her niche, and the importance of mentors in her own personal journey. We have the wonderful Sandra, current Senior Vice President of Promotion at Epic Records. Um, And just thank you so much for coming on and doing this with us. Yeah, my absolute pleasure. I've I've seen you guys have um, some of my friends in the industry on, and uh, I I love what you guys are doing. Thank you. I mean, I guess what I want to start off with is just kind of, I mean, paint us a picture of yourself growing up. What were you like in high school? What, What did you like to do? Were you into music at the time? That kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, music for me happened really early on. Uh-huh. I mean, really early on. It's funny. I was just talking to a friend of mine about the things that we were listening to when we were like nine years old, where we had no place to be listening to NWA or Salt and Peppa or mm-hmm. you know anything like that. It's just it's it's wild to me, but. I think that music always played a really big role in in my life. I um, was and still am an only child. Um, My parents were were divorced, you know, before I was even born. So um, there was a lot of like alone time and that music really served as my friend, you know, as, as um, not just something that you like to listen to, but you know, you, I mean, I'm, much older than you are, but back in my day, we would uh, listen to the radio and and uh, wait for your song to come on and you'd put in the tape and you'd record that song on your tape and then you'd like wait for the next song and then you'd record that tape and like we used to make each other mixed tapes, you know, like we, we my, my um, uh, elementary school boyfriend, um, you know, it was very advanced boyfriends in like second grade. <laughs> Um, my, my third grade boyfriend, shout out to Eric Flores, who used to, used to make me mixtapes, you know, and like, then you'd have your microphone, like, and you'd cut in and you'd be like, Hey, Hey baby, this is for you. And, you know, <laughs> things like that. And then, you know, obviously as the music industry kind of grew and developed, so did our and my tastes. And, it went from that to being obsessed with MTV and, Uh you know, sitting there and watching and waiting for your, you know, the video that you wanted to see and for, um, you know, all all the different shows they had in the spring breaks. And, you know, you, you loved to do that kind of stuff. And then, um, and even in college we did, but, but after that, what it developed into and um, Napster and, you know, the, the different iterations of, of the music industry, we kind of really fell into all of that. And you, you know, it, it, it defined you and it, it, it made you, um, cool and it helped you find your group of friends, you know, it really, music was such an instrument. I, I don't even know who I would be without music. Were you all into, cause I know you just said like, oh, I was listening to like, NWA and stuff. I just had like, were you always really into hip hop music? Was that your thing? I definitely loved hip hop music. I remember I'm from, um, well, I'm, I'm from, my family's from Romania, but I, I went to school uh, in elementary school in Palmdale, California, mm-hmm. which um, a lot of people don't know where that is, nor should they. It's in, it's in the middle of nowhere and uh, like t- two hours north of LA in the desert. 
and definitely a little bit more, um, I don't even know the right word to use it, but dangerous <laughs> and more, more, more edgy. And then I moved into a suburb um, in Santa Clarita in, in middle school. And I felt like when I came to middle school and met those girls, they were like, what is going on with this girl? Like yeah, she listens to hip hop. Like she, she knows about this kind of stuff. And I think, I think I was a little bit more advanced when it came to, to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, and I thought I was cooler because of it. And I thought I was cooler even when I went to college and, um, you know, I was in a sorority and, you know, they were listening to, I don't even remember pussycat dolls or something like that, you know, no, no disrespect, but you know, yeah, that it- was more their vibe. It's so funny because I mean, I guess from like a newer age perspective, so I never was in a sorority or anything, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm big, I mean, I go on TikTok all the time and I'll see these videos and they're like 10 best songs they play like at fraternity parties and I'll watch them. And it's like, I have no idea what these songs are. Like, it's, so, <laughs> right. it's so funny, like the difference from where you live and what's cool and what you listen to, because it will be like number one best song. And it's like Jordan Belford by those like college kids. Or do you know that song? I didn't see it. Like, I don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) So, I mean, it's just craziness, but I mean, it definitely does help to define who you are. I mean, I mean, I know you went to college at University of Arizona, right? Am I right? Arizona State University, which sounds exactly the same, but it's like one of those things that if you tell somebody from U of A that and somebody from ASU, they like take you, take real offense to it. Um, I don't take offense to it. So, I mean, where was your head at at the time? Did you think at that point you were going to go into a career in music? No. I don't even think that it, 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 like in my wildest dreams, I didn't think that this job existed. (laughs) You know, I didn't think that, um, and while I thought I might be cool amongst my friends musically, um, Mm -hmm. I didn't actually think that I had, you know, above par taste or an ear for things. Um, and I still don't, (laughs) but I think that I just didn't think that that was real. Like I thought, I don't know, to me, the music industry was you had to actually have a talent in producing music in, in some um, level, on some level. And I didn't. I don't know how to play an instrument. I cannot sing, you know. Um, so I just didn't even think that that was real. I was I was a broadcast journalism major. Okay. And I went to the Cronkite School of Broadcast Journalism at ASU, and that was totally my passion. And I thought I, you know, you'd see me on the nightly news and that, you know, Anderson Cooper and I would be like reporting live from Afghanistan. I like couldn't wait to do that, you know? Um, and I, I just didn't even realize that this job existed and and what a blessing that it did. (laughs) So when did you think that your, how did that transition happen? You know, you're like into journalism, all of that. How do you jump into music? Where does that connection happen? I, I think, you know, and, and that's why I just love what the generation um, under me is, is doing. Uh, just the way how how uh, free-spirited people are in wanting to do something and then just doing it. And some people, you know, uh, judge that as being like flighty and, and non-committal and they're too into TikTok or too into, you know, whatever it is. But I actually really like that because I think that you don't know what you're supposed to do in this life or, you know, I'm, I'm 35 now and I still don't know what I'm supposed to do in this life. And I think that you should follow these whims. If you, if you have a passion for something, you should follow it. And um, for me, I didn't want to move to, you know, Yuma, Arizona or, you know, 
Bakersfield, California to, to be a reporter and to work my way up for, you know, I, I just didn't see myself doing that. I probably watched, you know, too much sex in the city and was like, I'm going to move to New York and order Manhattans and Cosmopolitans and, you know, be so cute. And yeah. so I did. So I, I moved to New York and I didn't know anybody and I didn't have a job. Wait, I don't, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. So do you move, you didn't have a job. So like you just do it on a whim. You're like, I just feel like it. I, I graduated college and I, um, I did a, um, a fellowship program with ASU, but it was a postgraduate course um, uh, with ASU in South Africa mm-hmm. for the summer. And it was completely life-changing. And South Africa is one of the most incredible countries. It's just, you know, it has so much history and the history is deep, but the history is also not that deep. You know, it wasn't that long ago that apartheid existed. And um, anyway, I, while I was there and trying to find myself and didn't really find anything, I, uh, I decided to, to move to New York after that and to just figure it out. If I didn't have a job anyway, if I wasn't going to grad school anyway, uh-huh. then I might as well go to the city that I love and try and figure it out. And um, I got super lucky in knowing this girl um, woman named Claudine Kazian, who um, now she's just, you know, a, a big boss at um, Instagram. Uh-huh. And she's just an incredible person. And I think that's just another key is if you find people in your life, no matter what industry they're in, or what age group they're in, or what where in the world they are, you should follow that connection. And um, I was really lucky at the time. She was one of the producers on um, Ryan Seacrest's uh, show. And she ended up after a few months connecting me to a friend of hers that worked at Epic Records that was looking for an assistant. And uh, I was in New York and, you know, she, she made the connection. And I, I honestly, they, I think they loved her. So they, kind of said, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Send, send her on through, you know? Yeah. And I showed up, I mean, actually this is a great story because, um, my mom was actually visiting and I got this interview and it was my first big interview and oh, God bless this woman. She takes me to banana Republic. <laughs> if you guys know what banana Republic oh, is yeah. and gets me like a full pantsuit, you know, <laughs> like, a, like a power suit. And I'm like, this is great, mom. Good. I'm going to nail this interview, you know, and I like practice and I do all my research. And then my mom and I go to my interview together, you know, and she waits for me in the atrium of the Sony of the legendary 550 Madison building in in New York and waits for me down there. And I go up there and I'm immediately greeted by just a barrage of people in like t-shirts and jeans and like, you know, smoking and like, the fuck is this girl doing here? You know, just like, and I'm interviewing next to five other people that are interviewing for the same job. Like they didn't spread us apart. They didn't, you know, we're all just competing with each other. And it was just such a wake up call of what I'm actually dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I mean, obviously a way smaller scale, but even when I was getting like my first internship in like, like my first internship and it was like at a label, whatever. And I remember like picking out the outfit. And I was like, that was <laughs> professional. I come in, people are like rolling weed on like, oh yeah, oh, like yeah. no, like, <laughs> no one caring, just the most embarrassing thing. But totally. I mean, 
what so what year is this that you're like moving so this is so i graduated college in 2007 and then i spent the summer in south africa like i said and then this was probably around september of 2007 right yeah september of 2007 and um you know again god bless claudia and kazian for making that introduction um i met with this guy named alex levy who is was my angel and Marnie Halpern, who like continues to be my angel. She's the head of promotion at Caroline now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just an incredible trailblazing woman. Um, and I interviewed to be their assistants, the, the two of them. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, immediately, kind of the same experience you had, like, hey, what the fuck is up? You know, Mar- Marnie, she's just this little like tiny five feet of fury came in and was like, yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. Uh-huh. Do you know how to do expenses? Do you know how to book my travel? Like, don't fuck it up. You know, I'm like, yeah. that was it, <laughs> you know? And I really think that the only reason I got the job, and I'm pretty confident that this is true, is that Jacqueline Saturn, who is, you know, again, I've been super lucky to be surrounded by these legendary women, but Jacqueline Saturn is just incredible. She was the head of promotion at Epic at the time. Uh-huh. And now she runs uh, Caroline and she was mm-hmm. pregnant with her second kid and she was super pregnant. And she ends up asking me, you know, hi, how are you? Tell me about your story. You know, you know what are you doing here? And I tell her how I am renting an apartment in the East Village um, but it's not really an apartment because I'm actually renting the bedroom from this couple that sleeps in their living room and I rent the bedroom and we all share a bathroom. And she's mortified. She's like, oh my God, this girl from this small town that just moved to New York is going to get murdered if we don't give her a job, you know, which might have been true. Very much <laughs> So I, I'm confident because I was not qualified. I didn't, you know, me and my power suit did not impress. Uh-huh. And I, I really think that Jacqueline was like pregnant, feeling sorry for me and was like, all right, we're going to give this girl a shot. <laughs> so, I mean, to me, when I hear this, I feel like that's such a, like the fact that you just graduated and you're like, I'll just go to New York. That's such a risky move. Do you think you've always been like that? Like a risk taker or? For, for sure. For sure. I, um, yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, my parents both, they, they came to this country, um, they were lawyers in Romania and Romania was communist and they escaped communism to come here with n- literally nothing. And, um, you know, did all sorts of crazy things like that, you know, and their law degrees obviously didn't mean anything here. So they had to start from scratch and, you know, uh, be bus boys and, uh, work at hospitals and stuff. And, uh, so when I come up with these ideas, like, Hey, I'm going to move to Arizona to go to college there, even though we've only ever been there once when I was like nine to see the grand Canyon. Um, and then I'm going to go to South Africa for the summer, even though we've never been there and God only knows what's going to happen. Um, and now I'm going to move to New York. I don't, you know, they could never really say you sound crazy because uh-huh. they, they did it too, um, yeah. on a much greater scale. So yeah, I think that that's always been in me. That being said, I'm very lucky because the recession hit in 2008 mm-hmm. and my story would have been very different had I graduated a year later, you mm-hmm. know? So I, I got very, very lucky. Yeah. Yeah. And, and another thing that's interesting about what you're saying now, you know, when it's like 2007, 2008, you're just starting, you've moved to New York, is that you had so many 
women that were your mentors. And the reason I bring this up is because I know that you were in, you know, Billboard 40 Under 40 for Young Music Executives. Congratulations, mm-hmm. by the way. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> Thank for you. sure. Um, last year, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, congratulations. But Thank one of the you. things that, you know, you had said in that is that it's so important to recognize the contributions of women in, you know, the music industry. And do you think that's one of the driving factors? Do you think that a lot of women really helped to mentor you and bring you up? I, I, there's not a, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps even thinking about it um, because there's not a doubt in my mind that they have absolutely shaped everything that has to do with my life, not only by physically giving me these opportunities, but even in as cheesy as it might sound, the way that they paved the way for people Mm -hmm. like me, because that didn't happen. You know, there wasn't a female head of, well, that's not true. There was Polly Anthony before Jacqueline, but, you know, Jacqueline absolutely, you know, knocked down walls and barriers and um, Marnie did too. And Claudine and, you know, all these women. And, And now I work for the, best example of that with Sylvia Rome, you know, because not only was she a female executive, you know, before any of these women were, but she was a black female executive. And she still is, to the best of my knowledge, the only uh, female chairwoman of color. I'm pretty sure she's still the only black female chairwoman. Also killing it, I might add. Killing it. Killing it, you know? And, and, and what's funny is, I mean, as you and I are joking about um, how I look right now in my, you know, sweaty room and no makeup on, um, I've yet to be on a call like this with Sylvia where she's not only completely done up, but like jewelry and like matching every, like, she's just, she's not even of this earth. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, what do you think? So, you know, you're moving to New York, like 2007, 2008, you're starting this job at Epic. I mean, Mm -hmm. what do you think your first big break was or the first moment where you were really kind of, you know, proving yourself at that company? It's a great question. I mean, I think that with, with Epic and with the music industry in general, because it's so competitive, you constantly are proving yourself and you're constantly Mm -hmm. hitting new, um, goals. And, you know, I, at first I thought it was when, um, they gave me the shot to not be an assistant anymore and actually be a regional promotion manager, you know, where you have like a a set territory and you work those stations and, in you know, uh, different markets. And they moved me out to LA to do that, which was a huge move because I mean, other than New York, it's the biggest market. So um, that that was big for me. But then, you know, when I became vice president in in 2015, um, that was a huge move for me. And I, I, you know, that was another stepping stone. And then um, in 2017, Sylvia, and this is another thing that I would love to share with everyone is you you should be constantly pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and the things that you think you can't do, you can you can and you will, um, because in 2017, when our company changed entirely and Sylvia was at the helm, I, I didn't know anything. <laughs> and she made me um, senior vice president of promotion, and we didn't have a head of promotion at the time. Um, and, you know, I, t- I told her, which you should never do, by the way. Don't ever say you can't do something. I told her, I can't do that. What are you talking about? I can't do that. Please don't put me in charge. Like, please let's find someone else. And, um, you know, while we were trying to find someone else for those six, seven, eight months, uh, I, I was doing it with um, with the, the team that we had, which, you know, was 
was everything because again, not to sound like I'm accepting an Oscar, but I didn't do it. It was the entire team. Like, mm-hmm. again, if you can be a mentor to other people and if you can bring people up around you, then that's, that's really what matters. So when you're, you know, coming up and, and like you just mentioned, you have, you don't really have any idea what you're doing. Like you're figuring it out as you go. So I still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's funny because as I get older, I mean, look, I mean, obviously I'm still relatively young, but, but it's funny, you know, when I, when I was really young and as I get older, I'm realizing like, I really thought when I was at this age, I like know things and I don't. Yeah. And the more I talk to people, I'm like, wait, I don't think anyone knows what they're doing. I really don't think anyone knows. I, I think that the more, you know, the more you realize you don't know anything. Yeah. And, and that's actually a good thing because it, you, you should be challenging yourself to learn more. You should humble yourself a little bit to, to do those things while accepting the challenge. And you should accept every challenge because you're going to um, fail more times than, than you, you ever thought, but you're also going to succeed more times than you ever thought. So how do you think when you're not knowing what to do, you're learning it, how are you dealing with the fear of failure and kind of the negativity that comes along with it? Was there anything that really helped you to just kind of push it in the back of your head? It, that, it, that's a big deal. And, and really, that's something that um, I deal with even now. And I, and I see a lot of people dealing with the self-doubt, the anxiety. Anxiety is the biggest word I hear all the time, you know, anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. And, you know, when you really break it down, it's your fear of other people, you know, your fear of what other people are going to think of you, your fear of being judged by other people. And when you really just break it down to you and your own um, happiness, you can actually make yourself happy very easily, you know, and you, if you can shut out that the other noise and listen, I think your community is really important. You know, I think that if you've got parents, a spouse, a best friend, um, coworkers, I think all of those people, you know, I, I can think of one in every one of those categories, even when I didn't have a, a, a partner, a spouse or a boyfriend, um, my friends, meant everything to me. And my closest friends aren't even in the industry, you know, mm-hmm. then on the other hand, you know, two, two very close friends of mine that are in the industry that work at Epic that were cheerleading me every day. You know, I think community is really, really, really important. Um, but I also just think that you have to take ownership yourself and realize that you are not in control of your own happiness. And for me, that came with meditation and with, with yoga. Um, although I think that any kind of physical activity, you know, if you like running, if you like swimming, if you like bar, you know, what, whatever it is, I think, uh, I think physical activity in jobs like this that are so stressful, I think you need to get those things out. Yeah. I think that can be really helpful. I mean, what do you think, cause you're dealing with so much stress all the time. What do you think really motivates you? You know, I think that um, I, I would I would love that this industry that I love so much um, continue to be that for for other people as it was for me. You know, so I think the motivating factor is that you don't lose that excitement and, and passion for it, and that someday you know there'll be a, a little girl that tells a story about how she loved music and how it really helped her when she was little or lonely or depressed or, you know, whatever that is. I think that's a really big motivating factor. And then the other thing you touched on, which is mentoring um, 
the generation below me, or honestly, it doesn't even have to be younger people. It can be older people too, that you can mentor, Mm -hmm. um, that, that, need advice or pointers or a fresh way of looking at things. I know I do, you know, I, I, I know some of the younger people on my staff. I mean, I'm, I'm 35 and sometimes I feel like I'm 25 by the way that I act. And then sometimes I think I'm 55 by the way that I'm like, what? TikTok? Huh? <laughs> like, what are you guys talking about? Reels? What are you guys talking about right now? <laughs> like, so I think, you know, I, I, I think mentorship is, is such a big part of it. I think it's a huge motivating factor. Yeah, I think a lot of people are, are the same. I mean, it, even on this show, we have so many guests come on and they're like, the reason I want to do this is because it's so inspiring to motivate younger people or just anyone in the world. There really is something about it. And I think it is because especially in music, you know, so many, I don't know, it's not one of those jobs where you're just like, oh, you learn how to do it and then you get hired and you do it. And, you know, right, right. it's so much based on like, oh, this person mentored me and this person helped me out. So I think mm-hmm. that's why that's mm-hmm. such a driving factor for for so many of the people that come on this show. Um, Absolutely. I think what's nice is when you, when you go to an event, when you go to the Grammys, when you go to um, uh, Coachella, when you go to, you know, anything that that's having to do with music, you know, I'll walk into that room and I will spend the first 45 minutes saying hello to everybody because you know, everyone, you know, or you're getting to know everyone and you're being introduced. And I love that sense of community. I don't think that exists in a lot of industries, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, in the entertainment, music, movies, entertainment, I think it exists. You know, I don't think, you know, if you're in pharmaceutical sales (laughs) that you're walking into a room and doing all of that. And I think that that's, that's really important, especially in a time like this when we're all, a lot of us are quarantined. Um, it helps to have that community to fall back on and to be able to even email or text or DM with, you know, like that, that stuff doesn't happen in other industries. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Do you think there is one challenge you face like throughout your career that you considered the biggest challenge or something that you've really struggled with? I mean, I think, um, I, I do think that the industry is changing for sure. Um, I think every industry is changing and I think that it's a very fickle (laughs) industry and um, people are following certain trends and sometimes we get a little bit caught up in that versus, you know, why we all started it Mm -hmm. Um, and it can get a little bit, um, I don't know, it, it gets based too much on data sometimes or on trends, like I said, or influencers and, and less about like, what's really there. Um, I think that's kind of a a problem, not just for me, but for this industry in general, you know, Um, I I don't want to completely make something about being a woman or being uh, a younger person in the room of older men. I think those are all challenges that we face and things that we've overcome. And I just, while that exists, I don't really like focusing on that or using that as a crutch, because I think that we as women have done a great job of overcoming those things. I think the thing that the everybody is dealing with is, is what I said about a a fickle superficial industry at times. Yeah, I think it definitely can be. And even to add, because I was thinking about this, like what we were saying before about the community aspect, which is such a a beautiful thing. And, you know, everyone wants to mentor each other, you know, Mm -hmm. people can help each other. Mm -hmm. And as much as, as great as that is, 
there is like a little bit of a downside to that, which is just the fact that if you don't know anyone and you're like trying to get in this and, you know, you are not as blessed or as privileged as someone else, you know, who maybe went to a good college or just was born into a family that knows people. It's right. It's so it's, you know, it's so difficult to, to launch yourself into. I think that's an interesting point. I think that we, we should do a better job as a community and industry to reach out to um, high schools even um, because mm-hmm. some, some people don't even have the luxury of going to college. And while college was probably the most influential time in my life and I give a ton of credit to the school that I went to and the people that I met there, you don't need to go to college necessarily to work mm-hmm. in the music industry. So I, I, I do think that there's a lot that can be given, a lot of time can be given to uh, certain high schools and certain neighborhoods that, like you said, are not connected, you know? Yeah, for for sure. I, I definitely think that's a really good point. I remember, I'm not going to say her name, but I mean, I don't think she'd care, but I'm not going to say anyway, just in case. But someone, you know, I work with, we were talking and she was like, why is it that every time someone brings someone in or starts mentoring someone, they look exactly like them? Like, Interesting. Like, why, Interesting. Like, like, why is that? She's like, and she, you know, she, she mentioned, she was like the way you like make workplaces more, di- more diverse and not just diverse, but better just in general is, you know, bring people in that look different than you and, you know, mm-hmm. bring mm-hmm. perspectives to the table. Um, but that that's was, super interesting. Yeah. I mean, I know that was, that was kind of, you know, no, that that's exactly what we're talking about. And, and you're right. And you know, what's funny is like, even if you're a minority, even if you're a person of color or female or LGBTQ or something like that, that applies to you too. Like, yeah. Bring in somebody that looks different than you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. Do you think, um, you know, looking back at your, your career thus far, I mean, is there anything you would do differently? looking back. <laughs> you know, that old adage of not doing anything differently because it wouldn't bring you to this exact moment in this exact place. I Is mean, that your vibe? Yeah, that, 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 that rings true to me. However, um, I think my biggest mistake, and I think it's a really big mistake for a lot of um, young people that have this chip on their shoulder, you know, that maybe don't come from the right place and don't have whatever it is that they think they need to have to be there. I think that we were so fear-based like you and I just discussed that we don't want to ask for help or questions. We don't want to admit that we don't know what we're doing. Um, And I think that's probably my biggest mistake. And I wish I would have asked questions a lot sooner and, and just said, Hey, I don't know, you know, but tell me once and I'll remember, you know? Absolutely. Do you think, cause I mean, you really have, you know, gone far compared to, you know, thinking back when you were like just moving to New York and just like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, it, I mean, was there ever a moment like a big, a big milestone for you in your career where it hit you? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, um, I think that, uh, when, uh, when I actually got that, uh, billboard 40 under 40 last year, yeah. Um, and just the outpouring of love and support I got from people and um, even even having people that I grew up with that are not in the industry, you know, reach out to me on social media 
it was one of those things that you're almost jaded in this, in this industry, you know, that everyone's constantly patting each other on the back and we have all the award shows and all of that stuff. So I was so honored and so flattered, but I didn't think about it past that. And then when I started getting the feedback from so many people and, you know, my mom, my mom cried, you know, like things like that okay. was like, oh, okay. All right. This is, this is something that like little Sandra would have never yeah. believed, you yeah. know? That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, I already said it. I mean, congratulations on that. And, <laughs> you know, it is crazy to see that, to think about that. And, you know, notably you were put on there for your work, or at least what they had mentioned is like your work with Travis Scott, right? And yeah, I think, um, I think they, they mentioned Travis and Camila. I mean, um, they are a couple of our biggest artists right now mm-hmm. at Epic. And I think they both have really unique stories and that, I mean, Travis is, is a legend and he, what he's, what he did with Astroworld, both the album and the tour are things that, you know, are, are still being written and talked about. So I think, I think that was, was big for me because I, you know, I, I, I'm in the pop top 40 lane at Epic and what we were able to do with the team, really our, our reps, um, were able to do with, with making that a top 10 pop record. Like when sickle mode came out, we, I remember we were at Lollapalooza the album dropped that night and mm-hmm. he had like a secret party at Lala and turned it into Astro world. And we were listening to the album. We're like, this is amazing. And we all loved sickle mode. No one thought that that was even going to be a single because it was like two different songs in one. And it was, you know, great, but it was so artistic to us that we didn't even think it was going to be a single, let alone a top 40 hit. Uh Like what? That's crazy. You know, speaking about um, kind of like the top 40 and, you know, that's your field. That's really where you work. I'm curious, kind of, kind of what you think. I mean, how has things changed? How have things changed since you've entered? Because I think, Top 40 is so obviously super important, but the way it's viewed is so different from how it was viewed like 15 years ago. I mean, what do you think that, what does that change look like for you? And, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that Travis is a great example of that change, you know, Um, in, in 2017, um, we had this record by French Montana called Unforgettable. Mm -hmm. And at the time, it was the biggest crossover record, meaning that it was, it went top 10 at pop and it was the biggest record that came from rhythm to pop because to the pop format at that time, it was like way too rhythmic and way too like not a top 40 song. And now when you hear it, you're like, that's totally a top 40 song. Like it's, you know, it, that, but that to them was already like a little bit left of center. So to get to a point where Travis Scott's sicko mode is in that same you know, top 10, top 40 song is, mm-hmm. is huge. I think you're seeing it with Cardi B, like Cardi B wasn't a, a pop star, but she is one now, you know, I think you're seeing it yeah. with a lot of these artists, Juice World and Roddy Rich, and, you know, all, all of these types of artists that weren't really on top 40 radio that are now really owning top 40 radio. It's amazing to see long overdue. And I think people are really embracing it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, l- looking at your career thus far, how do you think your career has has impacted your own personal growth? 
Oh, wow. That's such a great question. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that we work so much that it's impossible for it not to, <laughs> you know, you, you spend so much of your life working and, um, I really got to travel this country, you know, like I said, we're from Romania. So I, I grew up, um, traveling around uh, Europe and, and knowing what travel and different, um, cultures for lack of a better word were like there. Um, but I really didn't spend enough time traveling in the States. You know, you live in your bubbles, you know, especially if you're in LA or New York, you know, like those are your little bubbles and actually being able to travel this country and seeing what the vast differences are, even what you were saying earlier about colleges and, and what this school is listening to. It's like, it's, those are all different cultures, you know, even within our own United States and that had a big impact on on me um, and just the amount of traveling that I did. And I found a new love while music was always a big part of my life. I found a complete new love for live shows because I was going to all the live shows and that really translated into festivals. And that, I mean, that's been the hardest part of this year is not being able to go to festivals, you yeah. know, um, the community that exists in, in a festival setting is another thing. And I think seeing, yeah, it's just seeing all these different people come together around music has absolutely impacted my life. I think that if we could all go to a festival together, you know, this world would get along. (laughs) So leaving, you know, this decade behind, going into the next, um, little rough start, but still going into the next one, how would you, I mean, my first question for you is how would you summarize this last decade for yourself? Growth. I, I think a lot of growth. I think um, growth musically, but growth socially. You know, I think, again, traveling to different parts of the country and and feeling what others are dealing with in those parts really, really puts attention to all of our differences and commonalities and what we really need to do to, to come together and find a way to all communicate in, in, in the, in the same way. And I think that being lucky enough to work for uh, a record label. So music is at its core has helped me find those commonalities when traveling to these different communities. I I'd say growth, um, but also, like we talked about, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know anything. And I think that that also summarizes this last decade for me, you know, is that I've learned so much. And the biggest thing I've learned is that I don't know anything. <laughs> that being said, what do you think your goals for this next decade are? I think that I, I've been lucky enough to figure to, to bring those things to light. Now I need to actually put action to it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think a lot of us need to put action to it. I think a lot of us are educated and passionate enough to figure out a way to, to do all the things that we talk about. You know, we do a lot of posting and, um, we can get our artists to do a liner here or there. We can, you know, maybe we even have a, a benefit concert every once in a while, and that's great, but I think there's so much more that we can do, and we are responsible for doing at this point. Yeah, you know? and um, th- that's just humanity. That's not even politics. That's not I'm not even touching that. It's just humanity. You know, I think it's up to us. We are responsible for changing uh, 
this world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. A hundred percent agree. And as you're, as we're wrapping up this interview, I just want to ask kind of as a final question, what your advice would be to recent graduates, even if they're not graduates, people in the same age range, people trying to get into music, what would your advice to them be? Uh, I think, you know, what I'd said earlier about um, envying the way that this generation um, loves to dabble in this and dabble in that, I would I would recommend doing that. I would recommend taking any opportunity that comes your way, um, even if it's something that you don't think you want to do, because you will meet someone who knows someone who knows someone who knows someone. I, I would absolutely say that that is something you should do. And I also think that people don't do enough of, um, you know, what we used to call cold calling, you know, where you like look somebody up and then you just pick up the phone and call them. Um, now that would be maybe not calling them, but emailing them. I, I try, um, as long as I'm aware that I got it, I try and answer every email. If, if some kid, you know, from Kenosha, Wisconsin emails me, Hey, I heard you on this podcast and, you know, what's your advice? And do you know any of any internships? Even if my answer is no, I try and respond to everybody because, um, yeah, I think that that's important. And I think you guys would be surprised at how many people will respond to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you put some thought into it, if you actually, you know, not write a five page essay, but if you put some thought into a note and send it and, and ask for a little bit of advice or to keep, keep you in mind for, uh, an internship, I, I think you'd be surprised how many people will, will write you back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, on that note, I want to thank you so much. Thank for you. Thank you. I, I mean, I hope it wasn't too scary. I really don't think it is me and my, no, it was fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much for doing it. You provided a ton of insight. I think it's going to be super sick for listeners to hear. Right. Um, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. If there's anything else you need me to do with it, I know I, I tend to talk too much. So <laughs> oh, totally fine. Um, no, you're all good, but thank you. Genuinely, thank you so much for doing it. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye. Okay, one second. Let me stop.